0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: This historic pick, first time ever the Chicago Blackhawks have had the first pick, and we proudly select Patrick Kane. What's up, Chicago? goal. Patrick Kane, a spin around, a backhand, he scores! Patrick Kane putting on a show on St. Patty's weekend for Savoir Fair. Is that a Superman, Kane? Yeah. He is Clark Kent and Superman all at once, that's not fair. Kane, backhand shot, he scores! A playoff, Patrick. Playoff performances create superstars, you've got one in the making here. Here's Kane now, juking his way to the lower left corner, should he score? It's in, it, it's in! It. It. The Hawks win it's the it. Stanley Cup! Blackhawks fans around the world, you've endured 49 years of frustration, but your patience has finally paid off. Lord Stanley's new address is Sweet Home Chicago. The Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup. He's a big time player.
2: He's got hardware now to back it up.
1: Khan Smythe
2: Trophy
3: winner. And the heart trophy goes to
1: Patrick Kane. Two seconds and one. The Blackhawks are Stanley Cup champions. He said I've been growing up, but watch out for me the next week. Ladies and gentlemen, from here, 2013 Stanley Cup champion, Chicago Blackhawks. Here's Patrick Kane. This is quite a playoff. Well, the third time in six years, the Blackhawks are Stanley Cup
2: champions. He scores! That's
1: 400 for Patrick Kane.
3: now Patrick Kane in this game. He's going to have his statue up front of the building when it's all said and done. That's
4: hockey, baby!
2: He's gone, and we couldn't do nothing about it.
3: The air has felt over for a while, but it is officially over now that Patrick Kane has been traded to the Hawks. Still a great player, but a great player on a bad team that isn't trying to win, doesn't have a lot of value, but because of how hockey works with no movement clauses, the player had all of the power, so the Hawks had to work with who he wanted to work with, and he wanted to be dealt to the Rangers, Mm -hmm. so the team either says, we can hold on to you, or we can get something. And getting something instead of nothing and getting worse in the process in what people say is a great draft. It's the way of pro sports.
2: Man, th- there was a time here, Danny, obviously, where the Blackhawks were the number one sports story in town for a good long while and won three cups in six years. And he was right in the middle of all of it. A number one overall draft pick. Great stuff from Tanny right there. Uh, number one overall. And here the Bears are with number one overall. Imagine getting it that right, that you take a guy number one overall and he ends up being the second leading scorer in the history of your franchise. 16 seasons. He's number two. Stan Makita played 22 seasons. He's number one. He's behind Makita and Hull for goals all time. Uh, he's the
3: best American hockey player ever. He's unbelievable goal scorer and all-around player so he's the best hawk ever he's the best american-born player ever he's
2: he's in conversation for the best hawk ever that's that that's for damn sure and he's probably he's over jonathan taves for that because he remained productive for some years where jonathan taves has not
3: yeah and i think when you factor in the winning he's the best hawk ever i mean i'm obviously not the most qualified person to do these sort of rankings but when you're the best player on a team that wins three cups, it's pretty hard to argue that anyone has accomplished more. But he, you know,
2: MVP trophy. You heard the heart trophy in there. That's MVP, Con Smythe. That's playoff MVP, nine-time All Star. I mean, it's it's crazy. The uh, the accomplishments are are off the charts for a number one overall pick.
3: My relationship with that whole Hawks era is just different. I graduated college in two thousand and nine. Came back, lived in Chicago, was unemployed, was playing poker, was living by Wrigley, was just being a complete degenerate. And they were like just at the beginning of like they were good and about to win and that sort of thing. And then I left and I went to Syracuse for basically a year, a little Mm -hmm. less, then went to Kansas City for six years. And so I never lived here when they actually won. I would. Come back, and I would watch playoff games at bars with my friends, and I would watch playoff games when I was living away. And every time I would come back and see like Hawks gear at O'Hare as like the thing that was out in front over Cubs gear, I was like, "What has happened to my town? <laughs> like my friends are all going out to watch Hawks games. Like what? What is going on? Girls wearing Hawks gear at Lincoln Park and Wrigleyville bars. Like what? This mm-hmm. is it? this. Is it? it was a complete transformation. He." For a period of time that was not an insignificant period of time, Patrick Kane helped transform the sports culture of this city.
2: Absolutely. Uh, there's a ton of a ton of kids who found their way to hockey and wanted to wear number 88. That, that's the number you wanted to wear because that dude was flashy. He was fun. He chewed on his mouth guard after he would snipe and have these incredible, incredible goals. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, they were – because it, it, when I got here, Danny, for me, the, the situation was different. Because when I got here and started with Mac, June fifteenth, two 2009, um, they were next. They had that feeling of that that wonderful thing like the Cubs had in 2015, that we thought the White Sox had in 2020, that we're hoping the Bears feel like next year. That feeling of, oh, man, this thing should be really damn good. And I'm working with a hockey-crazed partner that we have shared in Dan McNeil. Yeah. And... Taves goes number three overall the very next year Kane goes number one overall. They already have Keith and Seabrook, you're like, oh my God, this thing this thing is happening and and so I ended up being very close to to some of those cup runs, Mac and I going to Philly and saw them win there on the ice after they won there going to Boston saw them win there after seventeen seconds. We're on the ice after they win seventeen seconds. And the thing was always this, Taves was the first-line center. Taves was the captain, the tone-setter, the the heart and soul. And Kane was the second-line sniper. And the whole thing was like, who's going to be the second-line center? And they would cycle through all these different second-line centers. Who was going to play best with Kane? But every once in a while, when needed, we would talk about an emergency break glass, put Kane on the first line. Kane and Taves on the first line. Get them together, and they always seem to make magic together. Then when Hosa got here, then he didn't need to do it. You had Hosa and Taves on the first line with Brandon Sod or whoever the third person would be. But, like, Taves and Kane were kind of yin and yang because Taves was, like, super disciplined and hard battler and didn't care about the glory and the scoring, and Kane was the flashy scoring guy who wanted all the glory and wanted all the everything.
3: Yeah, you could be just like the most rudimentary hockey observer ever, and you could see that he was different as a skater. He was just like faster than people. Crazy fast. Was just, it was like, oh, who's the best player on the ice? It's that yeah, guy. Yeah, often but looked like it. It was, just, it was, just, it was, a, it was an easy thing like, to, to see, to understand. You didn't have to watch 80 regular season games to get it. It was like, oh, that guy's, that guy's the best player on the ice. Duncan Keith was the same way. I never had the hockey scouting eye to tell you like who was a better defenseman than another. It was like, oh, that guy—he's constantly forechecking, knocking the puck away, like disrupting something. Was like, oh, it was was fair. He was so good that it was, and he made it look so easy. And Keith
2: could carry the puck into the zone and initiate the offense. Keith could be on the point on the power play, whereas Seabrook was more of a physical stay-at-home guy.
3: Yeah, and the Black that era of Blackhawks hockey for socially conscious people has been. Tarnished, if not ruined, because of what we learned was going on within the organization and how what those players knew and what was being joked about inappropriately, obviously, Mm -hmm. and what was being covered up and excused in the name of winning. So celebrating them in the current evolved, frankly, correct climate is different. And it deserves mention as a player. He's an all-timer as an era and what we knew was being excused for in the name of winning, it makes it feel icky and weird to fully celebrate without mentioning those other things. Yeah. Patrick Kane, still an all-time player, but he was a part of an era that is tarnished.
2: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And 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 his personal legacy as, as a dude is like he was a partier, and you heard the cut that Tanny put in there. I know I've been – what is he, I, I was getting myself under control, but watch out for me the next few days. and everything, like That was after they'd won, and Kane was uh, always partying on the road, and you'd see stuff, and then and – so, so yeah, it, 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 it was – there were times when it certainly wasn't clean, and it doesn't feel clean now, but it doesn't take away from what he accomplished as a player. Let me ask it to you this way. Since Jordan, like where does Kane rank in terms of the biggest – Sports stars and
3: most accomplished sports stars in this town is he is he at the top? Well, is it most accomplished because he's number one? If it's most accomplished, he's number one. But but biggest, you're going against hockey here, right? because like, I mean, you you right, could I say guess I'm, uh, I'm
2: looking for a way to quantify it without you know the the, the hockey's place in the landscape damaging the conversation. Yeah, he's if number that one. That makes sense.
3: He's number one. I mean best player on three title teams one
4: best it's it's funny you mention that speaks the jordan comp because the the i'm not a huge hockey guy obviously but the the vibe that the blackhawks brought in those years where they're going to perennially be in the hunt for the Stanley Cup every year, it's, it's it's a feeling that we haven't had around here since the Bulls era, for those folks that remember that era, where it's like you knew your team was damn good and they were going to be playing into the summer playoff months every year. And there was a certain atmosphere and a vibe to that that was really enjoyable mm. for those months when baseball is kind of not really, barely even started yet at that point. But it did remind me a lot of the Bulls vibe. So I think it's funny you mentioned Jordan in that context. And well, and, I and, agree and, in a lot and, of ways.
2: And there was excitement. I mean, the excitement and the flashiness and like the oh, we might have the dude all around the league. He's right there with the greatest goal scorers. It was like, oh my god, is it him or is it Ovechkin? Is it is it him or is it is it Malkin? Like who is? The greatest, flashiest, most fun scorer—he was right there, to, and to have that guy in your conversation—and
4: uh, and for someone like me who grew up not being able to watch the Hawks half the time—and I—I didn't want big, you to—I was a hockey kid, along with I was crazy for all sports, but not being able to watch the Blackhawks at home because of the television stuff, and then being able to watch one of the biggest stars in the NHL every yeah. night and seeing what the vibe was like at the United sure. Center—it was un- unbelievable. I
3: mean, I p- couldn't believe when I came back that the Hawks were a tough ticket. I was like, "What?" I know it's crazy. I was like, like, "Wait a minute, you guys like, you know, like a lot of my friends were the traders and like had a little money. They're like, like, it's a tough ticket to get Blackhawks tickets.' What, what happened to this town? That was
2: the show in town. (laughs)
3: What happened? That's Mm -hmm. insane. Uh, And yeah, it was, it was a, it was a moment in time. I mean, his place on, like all time Chicago athletes, it, it, it's tough for me to." separate it from the impact of hockey, right? But like in terms of like pure accomplishments and like superstardom, Jordan one, Walter Payton two, mm. and then he gets to at least be in the conversation with Ernie Banks and Sammy Sosa and Frank Thomas.
2: He's top ten. I mean there's a lot there's a lot up there. But for a hockey guy to break through and even be top ten is quite is quite something.
3: Yeah. I mean <sighs> But those those two are cemented, you know. Jordan Jordan and Peyton. Jordan and Peyton are one and two for Chicago. You know, not to do like the corny Mount Rushmore thing, but if you were talking about just like superstardom, he gets he gets a mention. Ernie Banks. Banks, yes. Big Frank. Yeah, I mean, I I said I said Frank. If you were if you're if you're if you're also doing Pippen, Pippen. If you're doing star appeal. And celebrity. How about
2: Gail Sayers and Butkus?
3: Yeah. Well, I was gonna say if you're doing star appeal, you have to mention Difka. Just for like sports figure. Yes. You know, but but yeah, I mean, in terms of best player, Gail Sayers definitely should should be in. Erlacher?
2: Erlacher. Erlacher's up there Kinda for my m- revolutionized my, a position. My best since Jordan as well. Um Erlacher might be the one who battles the most with Kane, maybe Sosa.
3: Keith Traylor. The well, but Sosa not is not a since Jordan. I mean, no, Sosa Sosa's, Sosa's summer '98.
2: Yeah, I mean he did, it, he did it. He
3: did it. He did it technically a little after Jordan, but but Sosa is a is a Jordan contemporary. Yeah, Pat Manley. I, Pat Manley, obviously. I don't know if any he of the, is his own category.
2: I, I don't know if any of the 2016 Cubs really are, are, are gonna are gonna end up in that conversation which is a crazy thing to think about
3: yeah we would have not said that in 2016 no way. or 17 no. or 18 no way because you would have said oh well bryant will win another one and he'll be a cub for life and rizzo's ernie banks 2.0 oh, and, right
2: and- rizzo's gonna stick around and, and be there now do you say lester more than you say any of those that position core
4: if any of those guys come back, does it change your mind? Like if Rizzo comes maybe. back and ends his career as a Cub, does it change that a little bit?
2: Maybe, maybe so. If somebody comes back and has another another chapter and goes out like that, it's but not going to be Wilson Contreras. No, it is not. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's also not. It's also not Derek Rose.
3: I know. I mean,
2: because of how long he was here, and then what happened, and how how bad it went. Like Rose doesn't penetrate that.
3: Well, see. I don't know, man. Rose not having a title is obviously the thing that he has to be ranked below Kane in terms of that. But like as a beloved Chicago sports figure yeah. to a huge percentage of the city, he's the guy who made it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For sure. He's a hero to a huge percentage of the city. Absol- absolutely and, is. And means something to the city that... The, any of the names that we've mentioned yeah. doesn't mean in terms of that so like it's a it's a unique relationship with Derrick Rose and the city of Chicago and the west side and you know what i mean it's it's just a different thing yeah. so um i he obviously it got complicated and it got muddy and it was no you're right he he was, he was emblematic of two chicago the city association
2: and, and and his story as the kid who made it out does That does add a lot of gravitas to it.
3: And, man, I was at that Bulls-Knicks game this year where he hadn't played in days for Mm -hmm. the Knicks. He wasn't even cracking the lineup, and he got in in a blowout because the Knicks were blowing him out. And it was the only ovation of the night at the United Center, and he was getting MVP Mm chants. You know, Bulls fans fans love Derrick Rose, by and large, now. I know it got a little weird, you know, at times with comments and everything around here, but, like, he he is a beloved figure and an all time great, but not having a ring. Obviously, Kane has three of them. It's he's got to be below him. But I, I don't think in terms of impact, he doesn't. I think he deserves a seat at the table, even if it's like yeah. an, an outer table.
2: It's uh, it's it's quite something. And now there he is. And and just on the in the short term. I think he's going to light it up, dude. Like he was. I have no idea. He was sleepwalking <laughs> through the first couple of months. Well, you heard when we talked to Jay, like he was kind of sleepwalking through the first couple of months. And as the deadline has gotten closer, something woke up on him. And he had seven goals in like three games or, or four games, including a hat trick and almost scored in that overtime moment is now going go to go into New York to the place he wanted to play with our Artemi Panarin, his old teammate. He's, I wouldn't be surprised. He if he's, still has
3: plenty left. Oh,
2: he could win another one. He, he could absolutely be a part of a team that wins another one.
3: Sure. And I'm sure that would be a bummer. I, I don't have, like, emotional feelings around him leaving. I get why people would. It makes total sense. I mean, but, you know, but I don't I, – I just yeah. – I don't have emotional feelings on him leaving. And the sport is so weird with – people talk about player empowerment in the NBA. Hockey players, they, they – they, I want to be traded. I want to be traded to this team or else I am not waving my no movement clause and that's that and it's final. That's player empowerment. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and bad players do it. At least in the NBA, it's like, oh, well, Kevin Durant held a team hostage. Or LeBron (laughs) held a team hostage. It's like, oh, Brent Seabrook has one? Okay. It's a a different thing in terms of power in the NHL. Absolutely. So, we are going to uh, talk to Mark Grody from the Combine in 40 minutes. In just over 20 minutes. Spiegs is 22nd ranked. It's true. 22nd favorite player. I'm very excited. Uh, of, the, of the last 30 baseball summers in Chicago. But is there a possibility of a rule change having an effect on how we view baseball that could bring one of the best things about viewing, uh, viewing football into baseball? It's next on The Score. The
1: Parkinson Spiegel Show. Are you kidding me? Tune in to an Twitch.
3: Afternoons on The Score. Live coverage of Chicago's mayoral election starts tonight at 7 p.m. on News Radio 1059 WBBM. That's tonight. Check it out. BBM will be all over it. We'll hear Spiegh's 22nd favorite Chicago baseball player of the last 30 years. He's been in Chicago watching baseball in just a little bit, but watching baseball could. Change a little bit this year, you say. I beyond have, the rules. Yes,
2: beyond the rules. But there, I think the rules might help a little bit. All right, what do you got? Um, some of the greatest baseball viewing nights of my life have been when a bunch of things are happening at the same time. I was thinking about the last night of 2011 when there were so many different factors that had to go on, and we we're all watching like four different games, and uh, you know, and, and and it just it had that feeling that we all love which is the red zone feeling. It's the best. There's nothing like the red zone feeling of watching a bunch of games in the sport you love all happening at the same time and maybe even all having the crunch time. What does our guy Scott Hansen call it? The witching hour. The witching hour.
3: Yeah, it's a Mike Francesa thing before him, but, yes, it is is the witching hour.
2: So I started to fantasize a little bit about MLB having that kind of thing when they launched something called Big Inning, MLB Big Inning. And if you get MLB TV – you can choose to watch Big Inning, which it was really sporadic last year. Like when it was on, it was kind of odd. But they say they're going to do it all the time this year. It's between 8 p.m. and 10.30 our time, 9 to 11.30 on the East Coast. So between 8 p.m. and 10.30, if you have MLB TV and you're, looking, you're bouncing around from games, you could choose Big Inning and it's somebody in the studio taking you from game to game to game for wherever the action might be. Well, that's, that's kind of cool. I watched it a little bit. and yeah. so, But could it get a boost? Two things. One, the ghost runner rule, which I'm a proponent of. I dig for lots of reasons. But one of the reasons I like it is it's forced, immediate, reliable strategy. Like, however they're going to play it, whether they're going to bunt, whether they're going to try to swing away, whether a guy is going to try to steal third or whatever, immediately the game is in jeopardy. Yep. Like So right away, if you see that there's a close game in the, in the ninth inning, you want to tune in. And if it's in the 10th or the 11th, you know that there's a ghost runner there, so there's action immediately. You're not just sitting around waiting. So you've got that, and now we get the rule change component building in because if the clock, the pitch clock, is not just cutting – so far, like 32 minutes off the average game length and giving you the shortest game length so far in the spring since 1985. R- right now, the average game length of these games would be the, the, the shortest in, the, in MLB since 1985. It's also making it uniform.
3: Like, just about every game is going to be, unless something really weird happens... Yeah, more pitching changes more than normal, a ton more scoring than normal, et cetera. Yeah. But, like, between An two – An injury that delays things. Between two hours and 25 minutes
2: and two hours and 50 minutes is probably going to be a very reliable thing. So, if you've got a bunch of games starting at the same time, you might have, as a realistic viewing option, on the nightly basis, MLB beginning with multiple games in the ninth inning, the eighth inning, ninth inning, and extras – all at the same time and it could be on the table that that becomes more of an option for people and and, and i know baseball is such a regional thing in terms of wanting to watch uh, your team but would baseball fans sit down and flip on mlb Big Inning? to watch if you had six or seven games reliably in the final 15, 20 minutes and all the games move pretty quick. And sometimes there's a ghost runner and you could have that red zone feeling. I think that would be advantageous for the sport, obviously, to have that and you'd, you know, marketing your players nationally and everything like that. I wonder if it will be a viewing choice for baseball fans.
3: I think that they should try. I, you know, I, I think, it's, that's like a secondary or tertiary thing that comes after this. Like, let people figure out the rules. Let the players figure out the rules. Let the game come. And then figure it out. You're doing the beginning thing anyway. Yeah. And then start really promoting it heavily, being like, hey, on average, we got three or four games a night that are one or two run games that are ending within 10 or 15 minutes of each other. This is the prime time window to tune in for the end of close games around the country. It will never be red zone for a a few obvious reasons. One, people do not care about national baseball in the way they care about national football Uh because of just the sheer volume of games. And then also because of the sheer volume of games, the result of one baseball game is not as significant as the result of one football game. Of
2: course, each right? game is equal to 10 you know 10 baseball games equal to one football game. So th- so, so
3: that th- those two just like <clears throat> mathematical supply reasons are why you're not going to get the cultural impact mm-hmm. of the host of MLB beginning is not going to be as big as Scott Hansen. It's not going to be a part of the cultural zeitgeist like the red zone is uh, in football because baseball is not a part of the cultural zeitgeist like football is, but that doesn't necessarily matter. Like if you got 10% of the audience uh-huh. of red zone for MLB network on a nightly basis, that would be a massive win for baseball. And if, The top 10% of baseball fans were the only ones who really cared about that. Great. I I wonder if there's
2: some locals, local baseball fans who would consider it. If if you could start to rely that nightly, let's say it's between 925 and 10 o'clock. You could flip over, and you start having that internal clock. I think this might start to happen for me. Is that I'm going to have, and I'm obviously a different kind of fan, but I, I wonder if there's going to start happening for people who are like, oh, it's about nine fifteen, nine twenty. I should flip on big inning on a different screen here, like on a secondary screen, well, if you're a double and, which screen Which is a great.
3: Wait, wait, that, so that was the other thing. Like red zone for me is great as a second screen. Love it because we're watching Bears and locked in. Sox game starts at seven and there's seven other games that start at seven, and the White Sox are in one of those close games in the ninth, you don't want them to flip to Rangers-Astros. You want to be with Stone and Benetti watching every pitch of the close Sox game. Now, if you're a Cubs fan and the Cubs played a day game, Uh uh, and you you want to get a little baseball fix at night, maybe that's a great option. Or if the Sox are in a blowout, and you don't really care about mop-up duty in the 6 nothing Sox game, yeah. and you want to watch some close baseball, then you get the, – you know what I mean? Or as a second screen or anything like that. But that's, that's another reason that, yeah, Red Zone, for some people, is the only screen that they watch. But normally, not when your team is playing the main game. No, it's m- like, oh, my team's playing at 3- 325. I'll watch the red zone at noon.
2: My usual thing is big screen as the bears. And I've got the iPad on red zone. And then in the afternoon, I've got red zone on the big screen all afternoon. And they're just t- taking me around yeah. the four or five games that are dominating the late window.
3: Right. And so that, that is the part that would be tricky because in theory, your game would be a part of the thing that is in the window. It's yeah. not like there are day games every day, you know, for some days there are some days there are not
2: right. And of course, because it's baseball, it's gonna be as complicated as possible. You can't get it on MLB Network <laughs> beginning. Sure. You have to have it on the on MLB TV app, right? Or it's on a second screen, or maybe on a smart TV where you've got MLB TV, you can go to it and, and, and watch it there. You certainly could. How about you guys, baseball humans over there, Tanny um and Shane, as when you're not digging into the draft? I know it's draft season, but
4: it's always draft season and lions season.
2: Do you think you would would you bump over to watch you know, 15, 30 minutes of the end of several games if it became a bankable thing timeline-wise?
4: I think so, especially with the, you know, know, the rate at which these games are being played and will be played. You have a little extra time, like you said, between that 9.30 and 10 o'clock window. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I I could see that, especially if there's some good matchups, like, or catch, you know, some early, Angel stuff with with Otani and Trout catch some of those games early on uh, as they get underway.
2: Well, you bring up a, a point like when you talk about matchups, you're usually talking about starting pitchers, and that's going to be over by the time this stuff comes
3: around. So, like, yeah, but baseball's point, screwy, but yeah. But, but but late close games is exciting. Yeah, late 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 close games. If you love the sport, is exciting, and it, they just they have to figure out a way to market it and just understand that like i say this all the time about baseball it's a local sport but that's not a dig it does really 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 well locally. it's just it's
2: just the way that it goes now i hear you so like
3: if you build a great national product Uh uh-huh it's probably not going to get huge ratings. It's, just not, it's not going to, but that's okay. It can still be a good product and good for your game.
2: A, te- a young texture speaks to that, 30-year-old texture. Big inning could be the third inning. I want to watch a single game finished, start to finish. Watching a starting pitcher dominate is more impressive than a game-winning hit to me. Like A lot of people who are baseball fans take it in that way and want to feel the totality of the game. I get it. Speaks this kind of goes along with, I don't know if I've ever told you about this idea, but I've had it since college. I think you should be able to open up your MLB TV app or whatever your, your choice is. Pick players that you want to see the at-bats of, and when those players are up, if you have the MLB TV app, you get a push notification, and you can click on that notification, and it brings you to the game to watch that player You should hit. absolutely be able to do that. That's yeah. a fabulous idea. You can't do that? No. I've had, I used to talk about this on my college radio show, WCRX.
3: You're an idea, man. <laughs> well, because you can kind of do it with golf. Like you can, you can tr- on the on like the PGA shot tracker, you can pull up like the scorecard, like the scoreboard for the whole tournament. But if you want to just follow one guy, you can click on them, and then like when they shoot a like you know have their approach into a, a par four or it whatever to them, it'll it'll pop up video. Can, can you do it in the Masters app? Well, the Masters app is the best sports app period.
2: Right. And you can do that, you can choose multiple golfers and only follow them. You can
3: build your own grouping and you can follow them. They've got featured. The Masters app is the best app in sports, but the PGA app is pretty good for shot tracker. They'll say like, okay, you, you hit it. You're 220 yards into the par five and you hit it to, to 30 feet. Yeah. And then like 20 seconds later, the video will pop up of that shot, yeah. but it's not on the broadcast on NBC or CBS or whatever. Right. It's just there for you at pgatour.com.
2: It, Meg, I, I love Shane's college radio idea so much. It's pretty because good. How many times? I'm surprised like, it doesn't exist. Yeah. W- w- like w- when somebody shows up in the Bigs and you're like, oh my God, I want to know every time. I remember when it was Puig, Young Puig, or whoever it is. I want to know every time that guy's up. And then and, and these Twitter bots would come out and would say, oh, it's like some, somebody's up to the plate. And then you'd scramble to go and, and switch to it. But just being able to choose that and have your own channel bring you your people when you want
3: is a great idea. Yeah, should be easily doable. Mark Grody with a Combine report in 20 minutes. This has been a lot of fun. Speaks has put a lot of work and thought into it. His 22nd favorite Chicago baseball player. He realized it's been uh, going on. He'll be 31 summers in Chicago. So, 30 players, 30 summers leading up to opening day. Number 22 next on the score. He's
1: got a chance. Go! We're counting down the days to opening day. Happy opening day. By celebrating some of Chicago baseball's all-time greats. There you go, number 400. Spiegel's top 30 favorite Chicago baseball players of the last 30 years. Matt Spiegel is one of the great baseball people, and not only in this town, but across the country. From Abreu. Sox win! Sox win! On a grand slam by Jose Abreu. To Big Z. Carlos Zambrano has no hit! The Houston Matt Spiegel counts us down to opening day. Wow, is
4: that huge.
1: Matt Spiegel's 30 players for 30 years. That's how you do it. On the Parkins and Spiegel Show
3: on 670 The Score. It's a labor of love. You're like, hey, there's a baseball right around the corner. Spiegel's like, you know, I've been here for 30 baseball seasons. Hey, are there more than 30 shows until opening day? Yeah, there's like 34 of them. Can you have that list put together in time? Yeah, basically I've already done it. Oh, cool. Let's do 30 for 30. So now we're down to number 22.
2: I have really enjoyed writing and researching them. Ryan Dempster. Now, look, I always first think of Dempster as part of an absurd crop of young Florida Marlins arms that all kind of arrived at the same time. There was one camp, he told me, it's him, Josh Beckett, A.J. Burnett, Le'Von Hernandez, Braden Looper. It's outrageous. And some of them failed. Some became relievers. Some got traded. All of that would happen to Dempster. As a Cincinnati Red in 03, he got hurt and had Tommy John surgery, signed with the Cubs the winter after the 2003 playoff collapse, and is recovering for all of 2004, that ugly season ends up pitching in 23 games out of the bullpen late in that year, and that gave Dusty Baker an idea. So after six starts in 2005, Dusty sends Dempster to the bullpen to replace LaTroy Hawkins as a closer. And the fit was amazing. 33 saves and 35 chances. He got the win in both of the saves that he blew. Only three players have ever saved 30 games in a season while also starting a game for the same team ever. Ever. In the history of baseball, and Dempster is one of those guys. So th- this, this is part of the, the, the trend and the uniqueness of Dempster that we'll get to. He led the league in appearances in 06, saved 24 games for his 6th place team in Dusty's last year. And then it's Lou Piniella, makes 58 appearances and 28 saves in 2007 as the Cubs got good under Piniella, An ugly first-round sweep to the Diamondbacks and the likes of soft-tossing lefty Doug Davis. Freaking Doug Davis. Dempster threw just one inning in that series with Arizona. So here he is, spring 2008. He's been one of the best closers in baseball for three years. Kerry Wood was the arm that suddenly needed protection now. So Pinella talks to them, and Kerry Wood becomes the closer. Dempster is asked to go back to the rotation, and he says, great. I'm in. And here's the thing about Dempster as a player and a teammate. He was fun as hell, and everybody loved him on every team he was ever on. Smart, curious, interested in all kinds of stuff. He was doing magic tricks in the dugout in the clubhouse, kept teammates loose and laughing. Mark DeRosa said he was the key to clubhouse chemistry because Dempster was going to be a free agent after 08, and DeRosa said they if they know what they're doing, they better sign that guy because then a lot of other people will be happy. He, the Dempster was that dude in the clubhouse. And in 2008, he was dominant as a starter. The closer experience was obvious. It was helpful. He had a fastball, really good slider, two different speeds of a splitter. The slower one was kind of a change up, great control of all of them. Kind of like a poor man's David Cohn, using a great pitch mix and sequencing to get ahead, get guys out. I loved watching him pitch as a starter. All-star game that year. He made it as a starter. But of course, you get used in the bullpen, and he was a good choice in the ninth inning of the 1998 All-Star Game.
1: From the Chicago Cubs, Alfonso Soriano, Aramis Ramirez, Kerry Wood, Carlos Zambrano, Ryan Dempster. Koske, Fukudome, Giovanni Soto, and Carlos Marmol, and now Ryan Dempster, who's a second-time All-Star, but the last time he was the Midsummer Classic was in the year 2000 with Florida. Moved back into the rotation this year with the Cubs, and he has been outstanding. Just suffered his first home loss this past weekend. Started 10-0 at home. Good start for Dempster as he strikes out Kinsler to begin the ninth inning. Good. Tight breaking ball from Dempster. And now Deanna Navarro. Navarro strikes out. Ninety six mile an hour high heat. Two up two down. And here comes J.D. Drew. And Drew takes strike three. And we are going into the tenth. How about Ryan Dempster coming out of the bullpen and striking out the side in the ninth. 10th inning, bottom part of the order coming up for the NL, tied at
2: three. That's good stuff from Joe Buck there. Love that. So Dempster in 8 17 and six with a 2.96 ERA, 33 starts, 200 innings, 6 place finish in the Cy Young voting. Playoffs, disaster. Another first round sweep. Couldn't find the plate. Game one, gave up a grand slam to James Loney. That was a rough game. And some people have never ever forgiven
3: him. I mean, it was the first thing that I thought of. Just being honest, oh yeah, you said it was him on the list. It was like, oh god, two (laughs) thousand eight, yeah, because it was just such a miserable experience. Oh, so so you know, very nice guy, good (laughs) at media, questionable Harry Carey impersonation. Uh, I I agree, the uniqueness of the taking to the closer and the willingness to do it Mm -hmm. on his baseball reference page. How many guys? And I don't have the answer to this, but how many guys do you think in baseball history have ever led the game in starts? and games finished obviously not in the same season but just at any point in their career
2: that's a it's a great question he,
3: he led baseball in games finished in 2006 mm-hmm. and led baseball in games started in 2011 both for the Cubs.
2: i got a, I got another number related to that in a, in a minute here for sure um because three and a half more seasons as a very reliable healthy starting pitcher overall in the cubs career three seasons of 20 or more saves followed by four seasons of 30 or more starts. Yeah. It's nuts. That's rare air in terms of success in both roles. He's one of only 20 pitchers in MLB history to start 200 games or more and save 50 games or more. Many of them are old timers, but he's on a short list of the modern ones ever to do it, along with Dennis Eckersley, John Smoltz, Dave Rigetti, Derek Lowe, Tom Flash Gordon, And he did it as a beloved teammate and a beloved clubhouse guy the entire time. There's a lot of respect uh, for me. The offense, um, nothing special. Give him a six. The pitching, overall, when you think of all those accomplishments, I give it a nine. The vibes were at a nine. The teammateship was at a nine. The memorable moments, down to a six. So a total of 39 for number 22 ryan dempster um, um there, the hairy- there, there is a memorable moment like we were talking about which highlight you wanted to use today in the show thread i i remembered one while we were doing this and Taney
1: found it and now with two outs top of the night well hit right field white Sox take the lead a.j pierzynski says take that Cubs fans a.j pierzynski hits his fifth home run of the season with the White Sox down to their final out. Dempster retired the first two White Sox hitters of in the inning. Lode reached on an infield single. Dye walked. And then Kierzynski with a three run shot. The fourth White Sox home run of this game. Four home runs hit by the White Sox in the last five innings. It was A good game
2: that Ryan Dempster was involved in <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: getting a lot of dislike on the
2: texts. This, uh, this, this choice, a lot of people hated the Harry impression, thought he wasn't funny. Uh, oh, all of that.
3: See, I mean, that's being a hater, man. Like, he's doing an impression of Will Ferrell's impression, and he did it too much for a stretch of time, sure, but Dempster trying to have crossover appeal. He's very natural on television. He does the talk show thing, the off o- the mound. O- off the mound. Mm-hmm. Like he he's a personality and he's crazy well liked and he's curious. He you know, he's he's good at it. He's he's not Pat McAfee, you know, he's, he's not the greatest athlete media crossover ever, but he's pretty good at it. He's pre- I, 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 think, that's that that's being harsh.
2: I think he's pretty damn good at it and beloved on every team he ever was on, including winning the World Series in Boston with the Red Sox. They loved him there. They wanted him to not retire when he did at 36. Um and just very very respected within the game. And I man, I, you're you're a real good closer and a real good starter. And your team asks you to flip flop, and you do it not only willingly but excellently from the get go. That resonates with
3: me. Two quick questions. One, you said offense, nothing special. I give him a six. Yeah, he was a pitcher. What are we talking about? Well,
2: so offense or and or um, and and the defense. So here's the thing about my my rating system: offense Mm -hmm. or hitting, fielding for pitchers; defense or pitching for pitchers so Mm. i've
3: got i've got a so zambrano rated higher as a hitter Uh, so i he's a a six compared to other pitchers not compared to other offensive players
2: six is my baseline for pitchers
3: i understand and then how are you breaking ties because i feel like a lot of your recent guys have been 39s
2: yeah uh personal
3: preference personal preference got a big
2: pile of 39s as a matter of fact
1: okay yeah i've noticed that i got i
2: got a pile of 42s coming up
1: more angles i see the more confused i get
3: (laughs) well it's his favorite it's his own proprietary. system. favorite. Yeah, no, it's, it's my proprietary I, 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 I'm system. Asking fo- I'm asking follow up yeah. questions. Yeah, I, it's my own
2: proprietary, available to be ridiculed, deeply personal scouting system. So these are the tools, and uh, it's all up on the on the website. There's a website where all of them are uh, are gathered, and the proprietary uh, rating system is there at the top
3: mark grody from indianapolis spoke to the coach spoke to the general manager and spoke to people where he heard things and rumors and innuendo he reports next on the score
0: we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof